0: Friends, welcome back to another episode of the Field and Garden Podcast. It is your friend Lisa Mason Ziegler, and thank you so much for joining me here today. And you know, so if this is like I think early February when you're hearing this, and I feel like January, February, and March for me, here where I am in the mid Atlantic, we are, um, it's like a child. The weeks before Christmas, the anticipation, the thoughts, the wonders, the hopes. Oh my goodness, it's just everywhere. I mean, I walk the farm and peek under some row covers if they're up and see what's going on under there. I see buds on shrubs in our native border. And, you know, I started thinking about this last night when I took Tucker out for the last walk and we had a full moon. And the moon was just hanging behind, we have this really large saucer uh, magnolia tree in our backyard right up against our house that Steve's grandparents planted. And you've probably maybe seen pictures of it when it's in its full glory in early spring. It gets like these pink tulip-like blooms. And some years it goes really well Years that we get a late, really cold snap, sometimes the blooms get blemished. But when it's a good year, it is a sight to behold. Well, it puts on its buds, just like some varieties of hydrangeas. Last year, they start developing and those buds are present on the tree all through winter. You know, there's these beautiful. It just gives the tree, and especially because it's so big, this gorgeous look, even though it has no foliage, you know, it's a deciduous tree. And oh my goodness, I was standing out there with Tucker and with the full moon glowing behind it, the tree was just beautiful. And I mean, I just thought, oh my goodness, I hope this is going to be a good year. I hope we don't get a late deep frost, cold snap that's going to like make all the buds turn, or the blooms um, turn brown before they fully open. I mean, when it's a good year, y'all, it opens and it holds the blooms for so long. I mean, we can have three weeks of total, I mean, this huge tree in total full bloom. And It is just so very, very um, beautiful and fabulous. And it just made me realize how much I love the anticipation of the season as I do anything else. And so I wanted, it made me also start to think about, this is the time of the year where some of us, some of us have already done this, have drawn the line in the sand and said, all right, this is the year I'm going to launch a business or this is the year I am not going to dabble in that anymore. I'm going to be a gardener and I'm going to embrace that and love it and make the most out of it. Or I'm actually going to launch a business and get this thing rolling. And um, I do find that the people that year after year, never make that decision. They continue, well, I need to plan more, or I need to practice more, or I need, I need, I need friends. You just have to jump. Um, The only way you're going to find the answers to probably the majority of your question marks is by doing it. And I just want to say that what for me, and you know, of course, it is different for everybody, but what I have learned through all these years, so i am this is my 25th year of being in business, started out as strictly a flower farmer, then added other avenues to our business, which has created this big old engine that we just feel helps people in so many different ways that want to go that way, right? So the thing that I've discovered is what's what held me back from wanting to do the thing that I really wanted to do was, y'all ready? Fear. I was afraid of doing it. I mean, we find we fill that fear bowl up with all kinds of, I need, I don't have what it takes. I need more land. I don't have this. I don't have that. Or, you know, where I am, that wouldn't work. All of those things for me turned out to be fear because you want to know what I've learned? I can do, and my daddy instilled this into me when I was a little girl. I mean, you can do anything you put your mind to. It takes time, which is the problem that most of us don't want to, that's the part we don't want to wait on, right? Um, All good things come to those that wait eventually, but what comes may not be what you think was the good thing that you actually wanted in the beginning. So I wanted to just talk, maybe share some of those things that practices that have kind of helped me. So I'm going to name this episode, I think, Are You a Gardener or Are You a Flower Farmer? And I think you need to really answer that question to know, to answer the very first question, which I recommend everybody needs to know before you... Before you jump into some super big project, and let me just tell you, starting a business is beyond a big project. And then if you add on top of that, that you're going to be starting a business that's a flower farm, that's another big project that you have to kind of know what your point is. What's the point of what you're doing? Uh, we often call that what's your why. You know, why do you want to do that? Um, another way to look at that is what's your point? My point has been from the onset of when I started in 1998 growing cut flowers was to create income. Everybody has different reasons of what they're going to do with that income. Some of us need it to buy groceries. Some of us need it to enhance and feather our nest. It doesn't matter what you do with your income. But for me, my point was from the beginning of time of being in business was to bring in more cash than I spent making that cash. And I think a lot of people say, so very funny talking to people, you hear people's perspective that I just never considered and thought about before. Some people don't want to say that they're going into business to make money because they don't want people to think they need money, they want to think that they're pretty well fixed. Um, and I have to share that um, back when Steve and I well, actually, before we got married, um, we went through marriage counseling. Um, We were two adult people. We had um, lived, you know, we were in our 30s. I was in my 30s. He was in his early 40s. So you would have, people were very surprised that we did that. But um, one of the recommendations that the pastor that we went to, our pastor at that time, told us to do was, you know, a big important thing y'all need to talk about is money. You know, you both have your own piles of stuff, whether it's good or bad. You know, I owned a house. Um, Stevie was living in a family house, which is where we live now. Um, And there was a lot of stuff that needed to be worked out. Anyway, so we went to this recommended financial planner who has since passed on. Art was his name. And he was, he helped me really get around the corner of what's the point So I can remember saying to him, oh my goodness, I haven't thought about any of this in so long, y'all. Yes, I'm still sipping coffee. So we go in there and now you have to know a little backstory. So Stevie um, is in a family business with his family. His dad started um, Ziegler Plumbing back in 1969, worked his can off and grew the business. Then Steve and his brother Ron and Teresa bought into the business, gosh, not long after we got married, right? Um, And the dynamics in their family business is what has really helped me to become successful in my business, mainly seeing how their relationships work. It is not perfect, y'all. Let me just tell you, it is not that they all get along all the time. It's the way that they handle conflict um, when it does arise is what's made them successful. Anyway, so Steve is involved in his own big business, right? And here I was when we first started, before we got married, you know, I had a, a job. I went to a job every day and was dabbling in flower farming. And I can remember we went to art before we got married. And, you know, he really counseled us um, on ways to handle all that. And after our initial visit with him, um, and then I wanted to start my business, I went back to him and said, you know, what do you think? How should I, and I can't remember what my specific challenge was then. I had some challenge. I can't even remember what it was, but I can remember saying to him, oh, well, you know, Um, I'm not going to take any money out of my business. I just want to build a business. And he pushed back from his chair and looked at me and said, if you're not going to take an income out of your business, what's the point of having a business? And I really didn't even understand that. I didn't immediately go, oh, you know, it didn't all the, it took me years to really Embrace that because I was in a position that I didn't have to take money out of, I didn't have to take a salary. That allowed me to fiddle around for quite some time instead of <clears throat> a person that really needed that income that had to figure out quick and furious how to get started, get some you know bacon in the oven. So you could turn around and take some cash out, a draw, a salary, whatever you want to call it. So I think that making, learning what your point is, why do you want to start? Why do you think you want to start a flower farming business? Because you want to grow a lot of beautiful flowers? Well, friends, let me just tell you something. If you don't need a business to create income There are so many more wonderful ways to grow a lot of flowers and do something with them if you don't need the income. I mean, I think of, you know, the Kindness Project. There are so many charities. You can, we have, I have so many students that do that. They took the course to learn how to, you know, build and maintain a big garden to grow a lot of flowers so that, because they gift their flowers or they do it for their church altar flowers every week, or, you know, I mean, there's so many other ways to do that. So I'm here to say, figuring out your point definitely finds the direction you want to go in. You know, if you need to, you know, need to create some income for your family, or that's your goal, Um, you know, I have mentioned in the past that uh, students have, in the past, said things like, I wanted to send my kid to private school and, you know, in elementary school or kindergarten or, you know, upper school or even high school, but they didn't have that extra, whether it's five, 10, 20 or $30,000 a year to do that. And that's what led them to start this business. So that put the fire under them to figure it out, right? Other people, um, like for me, My initial plan was I wanted to really pad and feather our retirement. You know, so there's lots of ways you can um, save money tax-free or retirement plans that you can embrace as a business owner that gives you more opportunity than by just being an employee and participating in a retirement fund. There's so much, y'all but it all starts with what's your point and it helps you to go from there, right? And so some of the practices that I have picked up through the year um, that have made me a better business person. You want to know the first thing I do every single morning when I wake up is I look at my money. I log in. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to me was online banking. First thing I do every single morning is log in to my various accounts and look at the state of affairs. And I learned that um, kind of one of my flower customers, a commercial customer, um, had a different way of doing it because he was doing this. He's had a big business for a long time. He had a notebook that he had. And in that notebook, and I, I totally get it now because he had a big business. In that notebook he kept a running total of all of the deposits in his business, like at the end of every day, you know, what they did that day, and then what his big expenditures were, not his little utility expenses. But what that did, because he had a bookkeeper, like so many people do, that only comes once a week, you don't really have a true snapshot of your cash flow of like how much money you have sitting in the bank. And I always thought it was crazy because sometimes before he would write me a check for his, I mean, he was one of my big customers before he would write me a sizable check, he would check that notebook. And I always thought that is so crazy. I totally get it now. I totally understand it. So keeping your eye on the money says that's what's important to you and you keep your business in order. And I think people think that you don't want to seem like it has nothing to do with being desperate, being poor, not having enough. You keep your eye on what is important to you. And so, I mean, literally I sit up in bed. Normally, sometimes Steve gets up before me. Um, I sit up, my phone is next to my bed on a charger. Um Sometimes Tucker wakes me up, other times he doesn't. I sat up on the bed, hit my phone, wake it up, scroll over to my business operating accounts, log in on face recognition, and boom, I can see. you know, And in this day and age of fraudulent problems, and I usually know what the ballpark should be there. And if there's a problem, it quickly would become obvious to me. And it's not that I'm greedy or money hungry. It's keeping my eye on the ball is what that's all about. Then I look, I just wake up my email account and see if anything has come in overnight from the team that says, we have a tech problem. We have this problem. We have that problem. And either I attend to it or, and then I put it all back to bed, y'all. Then I get up and spend two hours, you know, waking up our house, eating, spending time together. I have some quiet time, devotional time, prayer time um, before I tackle the day. But out of the gate, I know what's going on. So I have my eye on the money, which is the point of my business. The other thing that I have learned to do is to make hard decisions. Um, And I think that This, um, I have talked about this. I can remember being on a bus for an ASCFG conference one time and people were talking. I could hear a conversation um, going on like three seats behind me about uh, somebody that was selling to people and couldn't get paid and listening to their emotion and their upset. And um, I realized then that because of my exposure to Steve and his business and the way that they handled collections, accounts receivable, it really helped me to make hard decisions. And what that was is I realized that you have to understand that when somebody, first off, it's our lack of having a system to have our bills paid, people pay you, that creates all of that problem. Um, But you have to understand that it is not personal. It is business when you're talking about all this money transaction. When somebody doesn't pay your bill because of your lack of planning and providing a system, you take it as a personal insult that they thought your flowers weren't good enough or that, you know, whatever. That is 99% of the time has nothing to do with it. The pl- the other person that's not paying the bill usually is a poor planner. They've not been told upfront the way that, you know, I mean, you can just now I look back and see how every problem I had was created ultimately by me, and then by dealing with people that also did not have a system, right? So to make hard decisions, um, that hardest decision for me was to take my emotions off of my arm and put on my business face. And to know that you have to make decisions that are going to be hard, but that's what business is all about. So learning how to make hard decisions and to realize that's a part of business has made my job um really really easy. The other thing is about getting the necessary jobs done. I often hear, "Oh my gosh, I just want to stay home and um grow flowers and play with my dog." And I know I've mentioned that before, but that's what we all want, y'all, but it you can do that if you decide you're going to be a gardener and not a flower farmer. So it's back to that, what's your point kind of thing. Um, But for me, the way that I have found the easiest, I am at my best between 6 a.m. in the morning and 12 o'clock noon. In the afternoon, I turn into a slug. (laughs) I mean, my brain doesn't work very well. It usually is based on what I've eaten for lunch, um, my exhaustion level, if it's farming stuff. And so I've learned... That's how I am. So I eat the, the ugly frog first in the morning. I do the hardest things first. Those things I have to really think about and focus on um, to get the jobs done that have to be done. You know, I've spoken of how structured my business life is. You know, on Mondays, I do this. On Tuesdays, I do that. On Wednesdays, I do this. On Thursdays, I do that. And I stick to that structure. That's how the paperwork gets done. That's how the bank gets reconciled, bank account gets reconciled. That's how I tackle those hard problems. I know that I have a staff meeting every Thursday at one o'clock and that I need to start stacking up the things that need to be addressed then, things that sometimes aren't pleasant, right? And so the way that I've done that is that I set myself up in a situation where there's no distractions, where I spoke of how I look at that bank account um, check my emails. I then put that aside until I get done what needs to be done that day. I am not falling into the email hole um and I do things in a very, very structured way, and then i if you want to call it that, reward myself. um well, I'll say, all right, if i don't you know if I get down to business and get it all done. I'm either gonna I'm gonna go have a snack and sit down and scroll on my phone, or I'm gonna go walk the farm or I'm gonna run and do X, Y, Z that really isn't a necessary. It's something I just want to do. Um, you know, you reward yourself. You know there's a reason that it's the basics of training a dog, training a mate, training anything um, comes down to the get the work done and the reward system. The same works on you. It works on me. Um, Just make yourself focus. I literally mute my phone, turn it upside down um, when I'm trying to work because I have a team and, um, you know, there's other people that can take care of dire emergencies if we had one. I'm not the one that would fix that dire emergency, a tech problem, that kind of thing, right? Um, So don't, kid yourself that you are indispensable. Nobody is. Somebody else can take care of a problem, um, but for me, I can turn my phone off for two hours, and I can get more done in two hours of undistraction than many people do in an eight-hour day full of distractions, for sure. The other thing that I have really learned to do, and I still learn, I'm thinking of last Wednesday, um, is you have to learn how to ignore negative remarks. Um, And first off, you cannot please everybody. You're not supposed to please everybody. And when there are those people that speak out, embrace those remarks to learn from them. Don't feel the need to respond to them, to stop doing what you're doing. Be true to yourself and get louder if that's what it takes. Um, if that's what your jam is about what they're ever remarking about, but take, I mean, there's a book called, um, complaints are a gift or something like that. That'll find it for you. Um, and it's about when you take off the personal feelings and put on your business face and realize that when people complain, there's likely something wrong and to not really, um, Take them as insults. Take them as gifts, um, and I'm not talking about haters. I'm not talking about people that are just trying to stir your soup. Ignore those people and get louder. You know, share your your message, but learn to not let um, your emotions get out of control from remarks and complaints. Um, Because that's perhaps the root of being a great business owner, is learning to control your emotions. You don't lose your emotions. By all means, your emotions get kind of deeper, I think. But you learn how to insulate them. and Instead of reacting right away, you learn to say, okay, there it is. I'm not going to get hurt, upset, and lash out. I'm going to say, all right, is that true? And if it is true, which they usually are, you might not want to realize that they're true, but a lot of times they are. How can I make the most of that? You can thank that. That helps you to thank that person. You know, when somebody sends um, says something about you on social media or even sends you an email as a business person, I mean, always thank them. Thank you so much for taking a moment to do this. Um, And we will put it in our our bag and think about it and consider. Um, And oftentimes, that person will become one of your biggest fans because they realize, you know what? They really are trying to provide a service, a product, whatever it is. So controlling your reaction not only makes you a better business person, but it keeps you from getting your britches in a knot. Holy cow, the emotional up and down, right? So, and here is what the best lesson that I have probably learned is building and maintaining and scaling and keeping a business going is doing this and a bunch of other stuff over and over and over again. It never ends, y'all. Every single day, there's going to be new challenges, new problems, new situation. The more you do, the more problems. Every corner you turn has new things that need to be addressed. And that's the nature of business. And if you're you're sitting back eating bonbons, then you're not doing enough. And I'll tell you, it's going to end. The supply of bonbons will come to an end. Um, So that's what I do over and over again, and if, you know, as far as farming and growing flowers, it can all start with, are you a gardener that's going to grow flowers and do something wonderful with them and enjoy that because you don't want income? More power to you. Do not feel like you're any less than any business person. That is so amazing to do that. Or are you going to launch a business and become a flower farmer, a commercial cut flower grower? And if you are, go for it. Put all the foo-foo aside. Get down to business and do it. Stop torturing yourself. Teetering on that line. Draw a line in the sand and stick to it. So friends, if you're um, enjoying the podcast. I would so appreciate it if you would drop a review. That just helps me to build my audience, to reach more people. Um, And the more people we reach, the more people learn about thegardenersworkshop.com, where our website is an educational platform that offers free resources, which are fueled by our online garden shop, where we sell the same tools, seeds, and supplies in my books. Um, the same stuff that you hear me mention and that I use, as well as our online library of courses all about flower farming and gardening and how to start, scale, expand a business. Um, All of those things that we love encouraging and empowering you with are what fuel all the free resources that we also love bringing to you. So it's a big old snowball, y'all. That's how this all works. And so the more you share, review, um, it helps the, the ball keep rolling. And, you know, one last thing, if you find that you need tool, seeds, or supplies, or if you want to scale your business or start a business, consider us. We appreciate it. So friends, until we meet again, Ciao.